welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Hi. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. It's actually quiet here for once. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the quiet end of the world. It's so yeah. quiet. You cannot... I, really can't believe I live in Manhattan because we've been sleeping with the windows open, which is something we would never, ever, ever do because there's garbage trucks. There's It is so quiet huh. that actually it's annoying when the birds start chirping <laughs> at like 5 a.m. You're like, shut up. Too many birds. Um, it's very strange. But anyway, on the show today, in light of the fact that so many people have seen their children's summer camp plans get canceled, um, or if your camp's open, maybe you don't feel comfortable sending them, there are so many things going on with camp. And after two long months of being cooped up, or almost three, I think people were hoping for camp, and camp's not happening. So we thought we would have an author on today, Catherine Newman. She wrote this fabulous article in the New York Times called How to Host Your Family's Own Personal Summer Camp. It's full of links to websites and ideas. And I mean, honestly, it's so long. It's great. We're going to talk about that. She's also the author of the book, How to Be a Person, which there's a lot of overlap between what you can do with your kids this summer now they don't have camp and how to teach them to be a person, a functioning person, not even adult, just person. So we're going to have Catherine on the show with us to talk about ideas for this summer and maybe how to give you and your family all a little break and take the pressure off on trying to make everything exactly how it would be. Just take a break. We'll be right back with Catherine. We are back with our guest, Catherine Newman. She is the author of many books, including the newly released How to Be a Person, which is actually, as you might imagine, a necessary book for most of our children who maybe they've learned some of those things, but not all of them. Um, and also, Catherine wrote an amazing article a week or two ago in the New York Times called How to Host Your Family's Own Personal Summer Camp, which... Many of us, you know, out there were hoping they wouldn't have to do, but now you do. So, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to talk to you. This article, I first of all, I got sent this article like 10 times, um, which I always think is a good sign. But it was so funny because my daughters are past camp age. They aged out three years ago from camp. Um, they had other plans this summer that got canceled, but I... When everyone asks me what they're doing this summer, I'm like, I don't know. They're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna figure it out. Whatever they do, exactly. They do. But I did watch as one by one, my sisters in law, you know, my friends. They just were count. They always count on camp, and now they are scrambling. So what do they do? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am so feeling. I'm feeling it this year just because. There are so many hard things and there's so many parents who are trying to work from home with now kids who are home and it seems so hard. And um, so I think the first thing is that that's really hard and just period, you know, yeah. and then, of course, that's not the end. There's more to say, but I feel like that's really hard. I think we're also seeing, obviously, the huge divide between um, the well-resourced and people who are really scrambling right now um, in terms of money, in terms of needing to work outside the home. So that's also really hard. Um, but 
I am such the butt. I live there. I live in the butt, as my kids <laughs> like to say. Um, there are real opportunities, and I'm loath to frame it that way because I don't want to seem Pollyanna. I, I think it's really going to be a hard summer in a lot of ways. And I think there's so much opportunity for your kids to... It's a little tricky because they've already been home, most of them, because they haven't been going to school. So, like, my kids are already really well-rested. Like, that piece is kind of done. But I think there's something about downtime... Um, that has become sort of fleeting and precious um, in the world these days. And I think of this summer maybe as a real kid summer, a real screwing around summer. There's lots of time to lie around with a, the American Girl catalog, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever thing your kid does that usually they have to stop doing because you're trying to shepherd them somewhere. They can just do that a little longer. They can lie on the couch in their pajamas with the American Girl doll catalog for an hour, you know, for two hours. I'm, I'm actually not kidding, given that my kids, when they were little, always lay around with catalogs. Um, so that's the first thing. That's not a how-to. That's just a mindset that I think we're used to rushing them. And I think this summer, the main thing is if they're happy... They're not doing something you've explicitly told them not to do. Just leave them alone. It's fine. Even if they're just spacing out, staring out the window, just leave them alone for a little while. And I think that's going to be a really lovely thing. But I know that's not really what you're asking. You're like, how do you fill the day? No, I actually think that's really interesting because, you know, the idea of a kid having something scheduled all the time is relatively new still. Um, you know, I certainly, I didn't go to camp. So I, my summers were filled with, I usually had something very, I was a dancer. So I had very focused dance for like a month, but then I had a whole month of nothing. Uh And, and it was, we'd go to my grandmother's, my, you know, cousins and I would like pick the gross berries off her trees and make a mush out of them. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you ask me how the day went by, I don't know, but it always did. And nothing was scheduled. I mean, truly nothing. Right. Um, And don't you remember that as like being shin deep in a stream and like all the just kid things. I remember that. And I remember really bonding with my cousins because of it. I had the same kind of childhood, same kind of summers. um, And, you know, both my parents worked. And I think what's killing me about this summer is that were it not for the lockdown, like if something happened that just closed all the summer camps, this could be the opportunity for the kids to get the independence that they have had robbed from them because of fear. You know, like if we could just unleash them with their friends and say, okay, occupy yourself for eight hours like we had to do. So I'm wondering how much of that they can still get within their house, in their backyard, without being unleashed with their pack of friends, but still find some of that independence. Yeah, I think that's such a good question. I mean, I it's funny. I do think... um, I used to actually think the saying was, and then I learned that I had the saying wrong, but I used to think the saying was boredom is the mother of invention. And in fact, it's necessity, but um, I feel like some of that is about marauding around impacts of kids, but some of it's not because I um, grew up in New York City and I hated camp. I My parents sent me to Lord of the Flies camp and it was like the most terrifying thing. <laughs> 
where it was like you were in a, you know, this giant urban drowny pool with like a million kids Mm -hmm. and like no lifeguards and the whole thing. I was such a nerdy, like weird, indoorsy kind of kid that it just terrified me no end. And eventually I lobbied hard enough that they were like, fine, okay, but we're not like, we're not going to entertain you. We have our lives. And I rattled around indoors so happily. Um, And granted, I was the kid happy not to be in the drowny urban pool. But I feel like there's lots to say about, you know, being just having the time, even if you can't be with your packs of friends, even if you aren't in a place where your kids are, you know, scooping minnows out of a stream. Like a lot of people obviously are in are in urban apartments. So that's a different kind of model from the like wholesome outdoorsy packs of cousins summer. And I still think there's something in it that's got that same flavor. And it's a certain lack of structure and a certain lack of rushedness. So I'm going to jump in here because I grew up in New York City in Manhattan, you know, and we were stuck in the apartment. There was no getting out to the meadow. There was no running around with packs of friends, although we did kind of run around with packs of friends, but you can't do that right now. And I had a single working mother. And if we didn't go away to sleepaway camp for the whole summer, I mean, life didn't happen. You know, I don't honestly know what my mother would have done with three girls, you know, teenagers, preteens, who couldn't go away to camp. I mean, you can't just sit in your apartment all day. You know, it's now that I live in the suburbs in New Jersey, sure, I think it would be great to let my kid pal around and, you know, bike ride and go explore. But even at that, I'm I'm just so feeling it for working parents this summer because I don't know what you do with your kids. And also there's a lot of parents who are fine with, you know, okay, a couple of days of video games. I get it. It's rainy out. But what parent by the end of summer isn't going to be tearing their hair out saying you cannot spend the whole day, all day eating and playing video games? Yeah, well, that's I think this the issue of technology and screens is going to be an extra pressing one this summer. And I feel like I have a two pronged approach to it. And my kids never went to camp, so um, they're grown now, but they actually never went to camp, and I didn't make them go to camp because I hated camp so much. Um, So, and I will say they were not heavy screen users. They were late phone adopters, and it was a little bit of a different time, even though they're only 20 and 17, but I think on the one hand, it's going to be more screens than usual. And on the other hand, I think it's going to make sense to encourage, in quotation marks, but there might be some enforcement required, to encourage our kids to be really deliberate about some of the ways they use that technology. So like, I think a kid who's on TikTok all day is going to have the grossest feeling by the end of the day. And the more days of that, the worse they're going to feel. That's just my sense of it. That terrible, I mean, I love TikTok. That's not about TikTok. But I feel like just that gross social media-y kind of way of being on the phone where you're not really doing anything, your attention span is like a nanosecond. That, you can't do that all day. 
So I think there's going to have to be some like really deliberate stuff. You can watch a movie, you know, you can, you can take a arts and crafts class. There's tons of good free resources. Um, and you some, can make TikTok videos. <laughs> you can make TikTok videos. Right, right. Totally. Which is one of the great things about TikTok, you know, you could do, you could play Wii Racquetball. Like there's a million ways to use screens that aren't that, like, obviously we know this, that aren't just that social media sort of hum of nothing. Um, so I feel like that being deliberate, it might look like making lists of what there is to do that's not scrolling around. You know, it might look deliberately like a parent sitting down with a child and seeing what's on offer in terms of free classes, in terms of educational stuff, if that's what your family's looking towards, you know, just making lists so that kids in a pinch don't turn to the things that they know how to turn to or the stuff that's bookmarked or already open on their phones. I think that's actually genius because if you ask a kid what they want to eat, they'll say there's nothing here. But (laughs) if you give them a list of all of the foods that they like that are in the fridge and, you know, can be eaten, then suddenly they know what to do. Oh, my God. It's exactly that. That's right. It's exactly the technology version of that. Right. There's nothing to do. And then if you make the list, I totally agree. I think it's exactly. Well, it's sort of like what you do with toddlers, right? You don't ask them what they want to wear. You say red (laughs) coat or blue coat. <laughs> and then they pick yes. Oh, yeah, totally. I know. Oh my god, that's so funny. Right, the spicy toothpaste. Or right, the <laughs> right. Brushing, brushing your teeth is not on the table as an option, but there's lots of pretend options around it. Yeah, no. I love all the things you suggest too about kind of chore camp. Um, but <laughs> but the idea of like these, this is a great time to teach them independent skills. So, you know, putting on their own sunscreen, which my daughter, one of my daughters was a camp counselor last year. And she was oh like, God. why does no child know how to put on their own sunscreen? She was like, this is so annoying. Oh my God. You know what I thought you were going to say? I thought you were going to say, she said, I'm so sorry. I was such a pain when you put my sunscreen oh, on. No. Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> she was like, I never did that. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. God. I I know, really. I know. My son will never, ever let me publish this picture, so I'm just going to have to describe it. But we went on vacation (laughs) when he was about, I don't know, maybe 11, 10, and he insisted on putting on his own sunscreen, which he had never done before. And we were like, okay, but, you know, we're in the tropics. You have to be really careful. Oh, my God. And two days later, he had basically, like, reverse clown makeup. Like, he he just – it was so – hilarious he just had like these huge red circles where he had totally missed oh, it and then like everything else was white oh God. like white handprints like yeah exactly it was <laughs> hilarious and it took you know a good week 10 days for this for that to go away i felt right. so bad So maybe you need to supervise a little bit and teach them <laughs> well that's the thing um, i mean i think some of that and you know i was saying this in the piece that some of what's going to make it counterintuitively some of what's going to make them more independent is putting in some real time up front so it's not going to work if you say you have to put your own sunscreen on, but they don't really know how. And then every day they come in so you can check it like that's going to be a losing situation. So I feel like it might look like 
the first day, you know, basic ways you teach, right? You do it and they watch you do it. The next day they do it. You watch them do it and help a little. The third day they do it by themselves and you check it out. It looks fine. You know, where you really are teaching some of these skills, that's going to mean that in the morning you say, hey, don't forget to put sunscreen on. And then they don't have to come in and interrupt your Zoom meeting with like hands full of sunscreen. Um, And I feel the same way about cooking lunch. So my big thing when my kids were doing camp, we called it, well, we called it camp when they were at home all summer doing nothing, but they had to make their own lunch. And um, and again, I, this was not framed as a, it sounds like I was like, you have to make your own lunch, you know, you jerks. But it wasn't like that. Like, I just feel like we, to feel collaborative with them, that my feeling wasn't like, you know, if you're going to be home, you have to make lunch. It was like, I have to work. I would love to be with you making lunch, but like, I actually am working. So I, your job is to help me with this right now because you have a lot of time and I don't. And so I spent some time at the beginning of one of their first summers showing them how to make a quesadilla, how to make a grilled cheese sandwich, how to, you know, whatever it was, how to make a fruit salad, like stuff that ultimately they could make me lunch, which was really incredibly nice. Um, But again, that upfront time of just showing some of these skills, you know, so that they can do stuff so that they then after lunch know how to load the dishwasher. And again, framed not as like, that's what you get for being like a kid and there's no camp, just like we're trying to make this work. We're all in it together. We're a family. We're all on the same side. I don't have time for this. I can't come out at the end of my work day and the kitchen's full of dirty dishes. Like I'm not going to be able to make dinner. So just as collaborative and lovingly collaborative as possible, where you actually appreciate that they loaded the dishwasher I is my feeling about it. I loved your idea of when you choosing games to choose harmonious ones oh my God, instead right? of combative ones too, because it didn't even occur to me when you were like hide the risk. Oh, my, like, God. oh my God, I know, like, right? The games where everyone <laughs> runs in crying. No monopoly, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, totally. I know our games like like um pick up sticks where there's like she touched it and she said right. she didn't touch. It's like no, put that away. I know harmonious games. Yes. Yeah. That was good. And I also, I just, I like that idea that you all sit down at the beginning of the summer and say, okay, like we're all disappointed camp was canceled or whatever it is, it's canceled, right? Like this has been a right, long haul right. so far. Let's look at the schedule and that maybe it's just two days that are have like a real schedule and the others are sort of free time or like not to be so rigid. Because I think we get so daunted when we see these people posting on Instagram and Facebook, like, here's my schedule. And they've got like color coding for every kid. And they've got, a th- you know, it was like bad enough when it was the homeschooling. And now it's oh like God, summer edition. Exactly. So I love that idea that like maybe two days or maybe there's like a field trip day if you're allowed to do that where you live, you know, where you can now take at least some kind of like bike ride or maybe you're going to a farmer's market where you can, you know, places where you know it's safe that you could have a little field trip now. Right. Um, I think it's, I'm so with you. I do feel like, I don't know if you guys had this at all as, you know, my, I grew up and my mom, um, for a bunch of my childhood, my mom didn't actually work out of the house. So she, if you were homesick, my mom came and she had like a poached egg on a piece of toast on a tray, you know, when you were sick. And I remember when I, when my kids were first real kid ages, you know, after they were babies, when I was working a lot and they would be sick and I would have to remind myself 
this is not like a workday problem for me to solve. This is a human being who doesn't feel well. But, you know, you get in that mindset of like, shoot, we're screwed. You know, we're not going to be able to do this. And you're, you're, you and your partner are tag teaming and it's all very stressful. And I guess what I hope is that we remember that these are like disappointed kids not just our like workday problems to solve. You know what I mean? Just that. They're not staying yeah. home to inconvenience you. Yeah, <laughs> just that. Right. They don't want to be there either. Oh my God, exactly <laughs> that. They're not staying home to inconvenience you. Exactly. They don't, they don't need to eat lunch again to inconvenience you. Right. Like I, so I guess I just, that when you said that about field trips, I love that just because like, right. If you can take them out for a popsicle at the end of the day, you know, do it. Like whatever it is that's going to make them feel like something special happened or something out of the ordinary happened, you know, that if you, if there are rules they usually have to follow that they don't have to, they can go out. If you have a backyard, they can go out at night with flashlights, whatever it is that makes it feel special to them. And I mentioned the little boxes of sweet cereal because for my kids, (laughs) that We didn't have sweet cereal in the house because I'm a total, you know, like tofu kale mom. But summers, yeah, we did. We would get one of those big packages and they would like trade them. And it was so thrilling to them. And so I feel like. Oh, my God. I love that idea. I totally forgot about those until you just said it. That was such a thing. And my my grandparents. My mom would get them like once a month, maybe. And we'd fight Fight over the the corn pops. Yes. Trade them. My kids would trade them and they would label them. And oh, my God. And so I just like whatever little Kids, a lot of kids, we don't always think that this is true, but a lot of kids are pretty easily excited still. So you can make things special without a ton of effort, a ton of money, you know, little treats, little something special. Maybe they wake up and there's like a little activity you set out. And I don't want to stray into the like Waldorfy stressful, you know, you filled a bowl with gnomes or whatever. But I feel (laughs) like, you know, it's, it's not that hard. Like you could even get up and before you start working, you like put out the watercolors and a glass of water and a piece of paper towel and like just something where that you're just a little, they wake up and feel like you had them on your mind, you know, little stuff. And it also might be a good opportunity to give in on some things that they've always wanted. And like, you know, maybe yes, they've always wanted a slip and slide. Oh, and my God. Like, yes. You're you're like you're gone all summer. It's going to get used twice. We're not spending money on that. Well, yeah, summer, it'll probably get used a lot. Totally. Uh, absolutely. I think. And you're saving the money on camp. Right. You know, you're there. You're whatever that expense was going to be. You're not spending it. And and. Which is not to say you don't have like a million other financial worries associated with the pandemic. But I feel like if you if you were going to invest in a giant Lego set in the slip and slide, this would be the summer to do it. Yeah, totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. This was so helpful. We'll have a link to the article and a link to your book because I think this like kind of overlapped. I think your book. (laughs) Yes, it totally overlaps. I know. My book has a lot of, um, it's, it's goal is to teach kids a lot of skills. And, um, so if you're, you have kids who are spending a lot of time alone this summer, um, I think it might be useful 
it even shows them skills that they don't want to learn, like taking out the trash and stuff. So and there you plunger. go. I was like, oh, a plunger. I was like, never using a plunger. I know. I know that was, a, I know that was the <laughs> dirtiest we got, but it, it had to but be But I included. love that. And I, and I think also, you know, one of the things maybe this has shown people is that everyone does need to pitch in at home. Like, I think this brought that into focus in a way that everyone, you know, everyone sort of has been talking about it forever. But boy, being at home for two months with parents working or, you know, then the kids stopped trying to do online help, it became more apparent than ever that it the load has to be shared. Yeah. And, um, and I think kids want to help. I think they want to feel needed. So this is good. Oh, I absolutely think that. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much. And good luck. Oh, yeah. You too. So fun to talk to you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. We will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? I have one that I actually chose before I knew what our topic was going to be this week. And it kind of, it, it fits in nicely. It's a YouTube channel um, called Dad, How Do I? And it's by a Chicago dad named Rob Kenny, and he did not have the best childhood. His own dad walked out on him when he was like 12, 13, and he had to move in with an older brother. So he didn't grow up most of the time with a dad. And he realized after raising his own kids very successfully, like, you know, his great relationship with his own kids, that he had a lot of information that he could give to kids who didn't have a dad to ask. And he'd had this idea a long time ago, and he just never got around to it. There was, there was always an excuse, not enough time. And then the coronavirus hit, and he was stuck at home, and he had the time and no more excuses. So he started on April 1st with a video about how to tie a tie. And Things just took off from there, and he now has more than 2 million subscribers. Wow. Yeah, and about a dozen videos, and I get it. I get why it took off so fast, because there are a million videos out there of, like, how to fix a toilet or how to iron a shirt, but this guy, it, the videos, it, they're just one long take. He's just talking to you like he's your dad. And he's funny and he gives side advice and he tells horrible dad jokes. And <laughs> he's just like this unassuming guy talking to the camera like the camera's his kid. And it's just beautiful. So we'll put a link up to his uh, to his YouTube channel. Um, but if you go to YouTube and Google Dad, how do I? And find the guy with two million new followers. There he is. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, well what he did struck you do a nerve. during your quarantine? Yeah. <laughs> I became a YouTube star. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Awesome. All right, Andrea. Oh, uh, well, what I've been doing during my quarantine is walking every day. And I know last week I um for my bite of the week I talked about the Fitbit Charge 4 that I've been using to track my walks and my calories and my steps and everything. And then right after that, Rebecca sent out an article um, showing that Fitbit on all of its devices is um, enrolled in these two studies with, I think it's Stanford Healthcare and Scripps. Scripps, yeah. Um, so that you can be part of supporting COVID-19 research. So basically, you know that these companies use your data. You, have, you opt in and they will use your data like to track sleep patterns or they've used it for, you know, different 
activity level. So now what they're doing is they're using the Fitbit devices to help predict the onset of illnesses like the flu and COVID-19. Um, and basically what it's doing is it's detecting, it's tracking your heart rate, changes in your heart rate, your activity, your sleep patterns. I don't wear mine at night um, just because I don't like to wear, wear it on my wrist at night. But a lot of people do track their sleep and they're hoping that it can provide a kind of an early indication of viral illnesses. So they can see if someone has COVID while they're asymptomatic before the actual symptoms start. I think it's going to go on a while until they can figure this out. But if you want to sign up, um, Amy, I think you said that you've gone on and, and signed up. You can sign up for one of the two studies. It's on the Fitbit blog, which we can link to. Yeah, we and can link to that. But also if it's just on your Fitbit, like if uh, on, I'm on Android and like on the bottom of mine, there's a little symbol for COVID-19 and you can get all the information there too. Oh, cool. Oh, I didn't see that online on iOS. You know what? There was an update recently, so maybe... Maybe you don't have it yet. Oh, maybe I don't have it yet. Anyway, that's kind of a cool thing. So if you have a Fitbit device, um, you can take part in this study and, um, you know, do your bit for greater good. But the other thing I wanted to mention really quickly, as soon as my cat gets off my keyboard, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, last week, I was on a conference call with um, Samsung and journalists. They were showing a new uh, TV that they had. And... At first, I wasn't going to talk about this because it's really expensive, but it's really cool. So they unveiled this outdoor TV called the Terrace. And basically, it's like if you live in an area where you can mount a beautiful, you know, 65, 55-inch TV, it's like having your own drive-in movie in your backyard. Wow. It's this gorgeous, they come in 4K, HDR10. Um, their Samsung has their QLED TVs and it's basically designed for your patio or your deck. You mount it on your garage if you want. Um, it's got anti-reflective coating and of course it's weatherproof, built for being outdoors. It's unbelievably a luxury item because it's going to cost upwards of three, four thousand dollars. But my goodness, how fun would that be to just have like a neighborhood, you know, everybody come over and sit in my driveway six feet apart and we can watch a movie. I think it'd be <laughs> so fun. They have those, um, they have much less expensive versions that are actually, they have, there was one that was um, inflatable, actually. Yes, yes, a, I saw <laughs> that. And there's another company. You need a projector. Called, there's another company called Sunbright TV. Um that was doing it for less money, but this is like one of those gorgeous Samsung, yeah. you know, high quality TVs that honestly, Samsung, if you need someone to test it out, I've got a nice backyard <laughs> space. We can host a movie night, but it's very cool. That's awesome. Um, so I have two bites also this week and my first one connects a little bit to your Fitbit. It's an article in the New Yorker and it's old. It's a six year old article, but it popped back in my feed this week, and I think because people are sort of going – are walking a lot right now, like that's their time that they get out of their house and they go for a walk, and it's called Why Walking Helps Us Think, um, and it's actually, believe it or not, a technology column about the connection between walking, creativity, and thinking, um, and it starts talking about all these authors that would use walking as a way to – spur creativity and the actual technology in your body that happens between the pacing of your walking and the way neurons fire and the way it helps to think, unlike 
biking, jogging, doing anything else, the actual walking is is hmm. different than anything else. Um, so I don't know. It's really, really cool. And if you've been out taking walks, I mean, my daughters and I joke every day that we're like living in a Jane Austen novel right now. <laughs> like every, every <laughs> afternoon we go out for a walk. Um, but that, but it turns out it's very healthy for you um, to really just kind of go out for a walk and let yourself meander a little bit and just not have such a, a purpose to your walk, just be out walking. So anyway, that's um, the article in the New Yorker, why walking helps us think. We'll have a link to that. And then my other bite is I've been thinking a lot of people have been talking about Little House on the Prairie during this quarantine and, you know, kind of rereading it. And, you know, I feel like it's um, understandable, but at the same time, like if you think your life right now is like Little House on the Prairie, you're not reading those books closely enough. So, um, but one of um, my favorite series of books when my daughters were little was actually my mother-in-law's favorite series of books. So they are from the 1940s and they're the Betsy Tacy series. Um, and Betsy is one girl and Tacy is her best friend and they meet when they're five and they literally each book, they just have a ton of fun together. Like they make a playhouse from a piano box. They have a sand store. They dress up and go calling on neighbors. You know, they, they, it's just like, they have these very love breaks and there are no adults watching them ever. Um, and it was very true, I think actually to life in the 1940s, like kids had this sort of weird freedom that as long as they were home, you know, by dark, it was all good, but it's delightful and it's probably a really lovely thing and a the little if you have like maybe a six seven year old they could probably read them on their own um it's just these lovely stories of these two girls who are best friends and just do nothing but imaginative play <laughs> and constantly coming up with things for for them to do together and no adult is telling them what to do and no one's scheduling it for them and no one's supplying supplies like literally they just make do with what they have um so I love it. Like these books, I think would be great for kids to read right now and understand that, um, you know, there's there's a lot that can be done with imagination. So lay off your parents. Since you each had two and I didn't, I have one that dovetails so nicely with Rebecca's that okay. I have to add it. All right. Add it. Because Alison Arngrim, who played Nellie on Little House on the Prairie, she has been doing live readings of the entire series of books on Facebook, like oh, for wow. a couple of months, and it's still going on. Like she, she just had another one come up a couple days ago, um, and she's amazing. Like she, she reads them in such a fun way, and acts things out. And she's just a character. She's fantastic. Um, so if either you're like me and you love the books when you're a kid and this is just a trip down memory lane or you want your kids to read them and they're too young to read or if you just want to give them something to do with a screen that is, you know, a little more creative and, and fun than just watching, um, you know, whatever video they're going to be attracted to. Alison Arngrim's li Facebook Lives reading. Um, I'm going to see if somebody has a list of all of them, but you can also just scroll through her Facebook. It's fantastic. I wonder if she does what I did and I read them aloud to my daughters, which was skip all the really racist parts. Oh, wow. <laughs> I haven't oh. watched enough of them to know. 
Oh my god, I I literally mid-reading was like, oh, this is a minstrel show with Pa and Blackface, we will skip this. And then there was like all, every time they meet a Native American, the description, it is so awful and racist, it is... Like, I was like, I'm glad I'm reading this aloud, so I okay. can just skip Okay, my <laughs> brain has blocked all of that out. Oh, wow. Yeah, let me tell you, Little House on the Prairie, I love those books, but when you read them as an adult, first of all, for anyone who's only seen the TV show, whole different thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but you realize Pa's kind of a jerk. <laughs> you know, everyone loves Pa. But every time they started to make anything, like any money, any kind of crop he moved they moved again <laughs> like, like let these people have a house <laughs> so anyway pa not so i will take anyone on who thinks pa is the best you are picturing michael landon and not pa in the book all right well um, i am going to watch more of them and report back because okay. i i don't like because i don't remember those parts i wouldn't have known if she was skipping over them yeah, I was I just that's one of those weird mom moments reading those books out loud. I was like, oh, did not remember that at all. <laughs> okay, we'll skip ahead. And the show was great. Pa sang and danced. The end. Um, anyway, that is our show for today. Uh, you can find links to everything we talked about on our website, parentingbites.com. And of course, on facebook.com slash parentingbites, you can leave us messages. Tell us what you think. You'll find links to the podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share from wherever you're listening to us right now. We hope everyone's staying healthy and sane. And uh, until next week, happy parenting. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.